Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Free kick. Williams will take the right side, the right side free kick. It's about halfway inside the, the Everton half. Everyone's gone forward. Everyone, they've got everyone back. It's floated into the mix. Ball bounces down. Huge welcome to Achtung Millwall, to an old friend of the show, all the way from Perth, Western Australia, but not originally, of course. It's Jimmy Webb. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thanks, Nick. And um, always nice to come back and, and chat to you and, uh, you know, and, and be part of the show, which is always a good listen, normally on the commute going to work once a week. Absolutely. <laughs> now with, uh, with the show you do with Aaron as well. So, uh, you know, thanks for that. It's a good way of keeping in touch. Absolutely. I always find it quite surreal because obviously, you know, there's, there's yourself and there's you know, many other Mill fans all over the world. I always find it quite surreal that people are listening to this because I'm, I'm in my spare room in my house here, listeners, you know, and that somehow it's going to be heard around the world. It's a really odd feeling in, in, in some ways, but um, it's good to keep in touch and it's a good way to do it. And Jim has come back to the show because we, we have a favourite little section, Jim, you and me, don't we, which is the Randy O'Meyer, the the bespoke date generator that the uh, Achtung Millwall uses from the internet um, to find some random fixtures from the past. And I think we've come up with, with three fairly interesting fixtures in different ways today, Jim. Um, typical, typical this time of the year, a Christmas special, Randy O'Miser. Randy O'Miser. I'll, I'll do, I'll get, I've got a little jingle somewhere. I'll play that in the midst of this piece. Um, as always, with with um, anything like Scrooge or Christmas Carol, it's got to be a bit of happiness, a bit of misery, and a bit of seriousness, and um, hopefully a bit of happiness too. 
back to, to finish with. But um, we've selected three. Uh, well, the 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 the, the laws random generator have selected three dates, three Boxing Day dates we've gone for. Um, and first up, Randy O'Miser. Randy O'Miser. Um, our mystery dice man generator has selected a great fixture here, Jim. Uh, Millwall three, Crystal Palace nil. On 26th of December 2001, a fix- fantastic day. I remember it well. You were there that day? Mr. Randy O'Miser must have read my mind because <laughs> as soon as you sent me this message with this day, and it was, you know, you know, when you do your top three moments at Millwall, not necessarily games you've won, but just the way things happened. And this game, I'll, I don't think I'll ever, ever forget. This is definitely my top three. It was a wonderful day. And it's, it's an interesting point you make, Jim, because, you know, if you say to people, what's your favourite Millwall moment? And you've got all the obvious ones. You've got the whole cities, you know, the one nils, and you've got the, the semi-final, the Sunderland and so on and so forth. Um, but you've got all these little details like this game. These, these are probably the true fantastic fixtures of Millwall because they're, they're, they're like little incidental moments, but wonderful, aren't they? I mean, this was a great game, 3-0. 3-0, yeah, and, and, and prior to this game, that I, and, and this is how much I haven't researched this date because I can rem- almost remember it off the top, <laughs> top of my head, but the week before Christmas, South London Press, Clinton Morrison on the back page, I'm going to, re- you know, probably on the lines of, I'm rounding your Christmas turkey down your throat now, Walt. It was going to tear us a new back passage this day. It was, it was the prospect for Crystal Palace, uh, Republic of Ireland striker. He's now a pundit on Sky TV. I don't know if you get him out there, does he? Um, in, in fairness Jim. to him, in fairness, I do get him on some podcasts I listen to. He's, he's, he's not that bad. He's all, right. a... he's all right. He's all right. I would have liked him as a Millwall player, um, but this day he went into meltdown. Um, 16,630 in the game. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just to run through the team, just to. Uh, lead us into it, uh, Jim. You got the team. Can you do it from memory? Actually, can you remember that team that day? I, I, I'll admit that I've got it in front of me, but I think <laughs> if, I, if I had it to write it down, I probably would have. I would have definitely put nine. I would have got nine out of eleven. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that because I think each each name when you run through this team this day is a classic name. I mean, you can probably dwell a moment on each on each player. So, who was in goal that day for us, Jim? Denzel. Denzel, what a player, what, what a goalkeeper, um, a man mountain in goal, um, it's funny because we've got Bart Bielkowski this season, um, I don't know if you've seen him on, on, on yeah, on no, I get all the games over here, so yeah, no, a real, a real, the first goalkeeper we've had in a long time that's reminded me of, of Denzel in goal, mm. um, dominating kind of presence, um, Tony Warner, um, formerly of Liverpool, I think he played for Cardiff, but like many players, he, they, they they go a long way, but they find their spiritual home at the den. And he was he was such a player, um, great goal. Bonus at Liverpool, didn't he? Do you remember? Tony Bonus, that's his um, Twitter name, isn't it? Because he, yeah. I think it was, it was their permanent substitute, and you get a win bonus. Substitute for their European games because he was English, and he always got the bonuses, the win bonuses. But not doing. <laughs> Tony Walder, great player, still around, obviously on Twitter, he's still out there. So let's go through the back line, Matt Lawrence. Matt Lawrence, Stuart Nevercott, Stuart Nevercott, Sean Dyche. Wow, gone on to fame and fortune as, as Burnley's manager, but a good defender, actually. Um, very solid defender, wasn't he? 
Dyche. I quite like Dyche. We could we we'd buy him from Watford, and he never got in the team because Darren Ward, I think, was always keeping him out of the team. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, obviously, Nevercott was a mainstay of the central defence. Um, from from the yeah, you know, as well. Nevercott yeah. He was ex-Spurs player in his own right, Stuart Nevercott. And then, obviously, there's Robbie Ryan lurking in London there. London Underground's most famous. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. What, what, what a story that is, though, Jim, isn't it? Um, you know, his, his last game for Millwall was a, was was the FA Cup final. And then Mark he... Uh, you know. Mark Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's rephrase that. Shall we try him to Mark? Try him to Mark Ronaldo. <laughs> if he could. If we get close to him. Um, but a good player. I like Robbie Ryan. Um, he was one of these kind of honest professionals that Mill specialise in. And, and again, I'm reminded of uh, Murray Wallace, who's in the current team. He has a touch of the, the, the Robbie Ryan. But they're better players than they're given credit for, but they're very much, you know, kind of uh, functional squad players at best. But Ryan they're kind always, of... They're those players that always do well at Millwall. They go anywhere else and, and you never hear from them again. They sort of fade. But it's, it's, that, Mill, it's that Millwall... I don't know, it must be the Millwall air that just gets it's, the best out of the players. It's a certain type of stage, the Den, and it does reward the Robbie Ryans, and there's there's a whole genre of, of players like him. Maybe we'll do a, a show about Robbie Ryan-style players another day, but let's run through the midfield, because this is a classic yeah. midfield here, Jim. Is, well, I, I, is, is it a three-man midfield, would you reckon? I, I think it's a three, because I was actually surprised. I, yeah. I, I originally when I did my notes, I marked it out in 4 4 but Because it's a traditional 4-4-2 team, but, uh, or 4-4-2 season, but yeah, three midfielders. Um, three midfielders, yeah. So Tim Cahill, very much a, a Millwall player. I know he, he, he posts a lot online about Everton, but um, I still think of him as a Millwall boy deep down. Uh, yeah. Uh, great player, great midfielder. David Livermore, less less well loved, um, but still a great servant to the club. Jim, I mean, player player of the year, David Livermore, one year, wasn't he? Uh, he was player of the year, bizarrely. <laughs> this, I mean, that's another thing. We we specialise in players who are never loved, and you actually give a lot, don't you? I mean, and Livermore, to his credit, was a, was a was a was a very solid midfielder, and then obviously went on as assistant manager to, to Neil Harris quite recently, until quite recently. Um, and then with his bird shit on his head, of course, there's there's Mark Bertram. I, I could never get Mark Bertram. No, I no. could never get whether I actually liked him or I didn't. And <laughs> the more I think about it, the more confused and. It was an odd one, wasn't he? he was, obviously, he was a QPR um, fan, I think, and that was well known. But somehow he had a lion tattooed on himself, so I think that was to kind of get by into into the Millwall scene. Um, and a Canadian international, which is which is you know another twist on on on, on circumstances. But no, I know what you mean. It was it was rugged. It was nationals that we've had. Yeah, I can't think of. Well, Adrian Seriu was was, um, was another one, wasn't he? Um, Josh Simpson. Josh Simpson. Oh, you dug one out the out the ark there, <laughs> Jim Webb. So um, yeah, four three three. We think um, actually, if any listeners can remember the game, I, I, I'd originally thought four four two, but four three three. It looks like with that Cahill, Livermore, Bertram midfield, and then the front line um, ret- returning. I think it was his first start. I've, I've read well, it was his first start back after his illness. He had a couple of substitute appearances beforehand in the season, but yeah, no. Neil Harris. Neil, Neil Harris up front with um, <coughs> with, with Stevie Claridge and, and Richard Sadler, you know, and. Uh, there's a free. There is a free. There is a free. Um, Claridge 
late late in his footballing career really i think he was was he 30 he was number 36 because he was 36 when he was playing for us um and uh, was he player of the season that year jim i haven't got that note in front of me but i think he might have been close to it that year, yeah. <clears throat> and and obviously Richard Sadlier, who um, I've read his book quite recently, and I, I will do a review of it, um, where he, he kind of gives an account of his years at, at the Den and then his subsequent problems that he's, you know, that he's, he's overcome. Um, but that season, and I think it was the influence of playing with Steve Claridge, Jim, that Sadlier really, really showed... That was his hot pot spell, wasn't it, I think, that year? He went to a different level. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd seen no signs of it, in all honesty, previously. Um, the book is interesting because it does, you know, it did come over from Dublin to the big city. It was a bit of a, a waif lost in the, in the in the bright lights. And it took him a while, I think, to to get the courage and confidence or whatever you want to call it <clears throat> to take his place in the team. But very much um, a real player on this on this day. Substitutes not used. Willie Gary, the eternal um, standing goalkeeper. Um, Darren it was Williams, a mistake when he was called upon. Very good goalkeeper. It would have been first choice, but for Denzel's um, form and you know keeping him out of the side. Uh, Darren Wald was on the bench, not used that day. Um, never. No need to win three up. No, <laughs> no need to. And then Ronnie Ball. There's, there's a you know there's another oh. little player that, um, from the past, a little one that came out came out of nowhere. He was, he was always kind of a, like a, a neat little right back, but never quite made it, did he? Never. He went on to, was it Yeovil? He was a poor version of Alan Dunn, wasn't he? Could play right back, could play right midfield. <laughs> <laughs> a poor man's Alan Dunn. That's not very, that's not very rich at all, that man, whoever that is. Um, I've got the Palace team in front of me. I'll, I'll give them that. I know it's a Millwall show, but we'll run through their names. Kolinko, I don't remember him in goal. Smith, um, who cares? Kit Simons, I think that is. Berhalter, Edwards, uh, Rihi Halti, uh, Hopkin, Andy Gray, I think. Kirovsky. Uh, is that Trevor Benjamin and Clinton Morrison up front? So that's the Palace side. Um, and as you, as you write, yeah, <laughs> blimey. And as you rightly say, Jim, um, Clinton was was giving interviews in the. Um, uh, in the in the South London the week before about um, you know Palace's um, you know, desire to to put one over on us and didn't quite work out that way on the day. I've got I've got the BBC's uh, report at the time. It says and I think quite summed up quite nicely. Mill crushed Crystal Palace with three second half goals in six minutes at the Den. Um, and it was a it was a it was a it was a collapse, wasn't it that day? They lost the plot completely. It was, especially as like you know, Claridge got one, Sadler got two, yeah. And and if we want to move on to about the seventy fifth minute of that game, yeah. And this is the bit that makes it stand out was, yeah, you know, when you're taking the Mickey out of other teams, you touch the ball, you three, three. Yeah, yeah the possession, the allays, the allays, yeah, we're the allays. This game, we had so much possession, and there's a phrase you don't hear very often with the award at the moment. No, you don't know. <laughs> possession that each player got booed by the home team for the touching the ball. <laughs> In a way that every Millwall player knew that we were taking the complete piss out of Alice that way. <laughs> and and they got... every Millwall player wanted a touch of that ball to get booed by get their booed. own player. <laughs> I actually remember Stuart Nevercott laughing his head off whilst the game was going on. And that's how I just always will remember the show. 
<laughs> that is a great, great memory. I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten that, um, and it, it comes back to you. I mean, the, 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 obviously, when Palace got the ball, it was cheers. Give him a go. Give him a chance. It was. Palace got the ball. The Millwall supporters were cheering Palace every time they touched it. And booing. <laughs> now, now, any other club, any other reporter would have gone, that's it, Millwall being, booing their own players. Rah, rah, yeah. rah. <laughs> And yeah, our little club who knew how to take the piss out of their own players in a fun way, that was the game. What a game. Um, I mean, the, the BBC report gets it right. Abject Palace. They were they lost the plot completely by the time this was taking place. They were three down, Millwall in total control. And they're out to revenge another defeat. I, I, I don't know if you were at this game earlier in the season, Jim, but um, a 3-1 win at Selhurst Park in the September. Oh, oh yes. That, that was, was when... Uh, was that the game where we... We filled that entire halfway line. It was yeah, they don't do that anymore. They, they, we, we, we had six thousand fans, I think, yeah. um, in that whole. Is it the Arthur Waite stand, the side stand there at Selhurst? Halfway line, isn't it? Stand, and it was the yeah. noise. The noise was incredible. It was, it was. Um, they don't do it for that reason. I think it was, it was the, 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 the blonde-haired chairman, these Jeff Simon. John, I think he changed things after that because it was it was too dominant, and um, that was a that was a wonderful match. And then obviously because this, was... this, this season remember is is something special because I I only missed two games home and away this season. This this season this was the season Mark McGee was in charge, was. and this was the um, it finished with the playoff games against uh, Birmingham, and, um, and and we all know how that turned out. Um, what possibly went wrong that day? <laughs> that's, that's another one. That one for another show, I think. Um, I, I, one one thing, I mean, you, you mentioned the booing, and I, I, I do remember that, and that was that was that was funny. And obviously, Clinton Morrison went into a meltdown. I think he wanted to have a fight at the end of the um, of the game. And what, um, what I think that Stuart, again, Stuart Nevercott, uh, when because because he was talking about he was going to score a hat trick, Stuart Nevercott at the end of the game went up to the referee to get the match ball and then tried to present it to Clinton Morrison. <laughs> And they, if memory serves, and I'll stand to be correct on this detail because I remember this 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 chant. Um, Palace were dressed in all black this this, this game, um, not their usual um, you know blue and red. They were all all in black, and he, he was wearing orange boots, Clinton. So I think you got this moment where, um, as you say, he, he got a little bit um, shirty as as a result of uh, Nevercott's um, offer of the ball. But the crowd were chanting, "There's only one Daffy Duck at him." <laughs> he looked like Daffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a total, um, oh, it, it, you know, it was it was a total humiliation. There were, you know, trou- trouserless in a public place, basically, and it was it was just a wonderful day. Um, these are the details that this this little section generates. I just think it's wonderful. Palace left you the field with their own. You don't these details on the real Millwall show, do you? These days, <laughs> you don't, mate. You don't. Uh, David David Ellery was the referee that day. He's a name from the past. Um, was he was the old school teacher, wasn't he? Old school teacher, Harrow on the Hill, David Ellery. So there, there it is. Millwall three goals from Steve Claridge in the 51st minute. Richard Sadlier in the 53rd and then the 56th minute. And total meltdown by the end of the game for the, the Crystal Palace side. One thing, we didn't, yeah, one thing we didn't mention that the two subs that Millwall did use, whatever happened to these two players, Stephen Reid and Paul Eiffel, come on. Stephen Reid was a wonderful, wonderful midfielder. The power of his shot. Was that the season, Jim, where we, we played them in a friendly? Or was it the year before and beat them 6 0 in a friendly? And Reedy scored a pile driver that, free kick. That was in July 1999. And I remember that well because I couldn't go because my wife was due to give birth that day. And I was told I couldn't go. 
<laughs> I was living in West Croydon at the time, and that's a, this, that's another story. Uh, and um, the, where I was, we were living at the time, um, we were right next door to a pub, um, which was I think the owner was actually Milwaukee. So on the on the kind of um, you know the, the blackboard outside the pub where you put your your menu, what's what's on today, he chalked up on the menu Mill Six Palace Nil on this <laughs> on this menu outside the pub. So um, that was that was that was my memory of that. That was a friendly game and. Happy days, wonderful days. Um, Stephen Reed, great midfielder, and, and Paul Lyfall, um, another wonderful striker. Uh, I used to like Iffy. I used to, he's one of my favourite Millwall players. He's in New Zealand now. Yeah, he lives in New Zealand. I think he played out there in the um, New played Zealand. Played for Phoenix and then played on for a couple of other like non-league teams out there as well. Yeah. So. Great player, great team, great day. Thank you. Thank you to the date generator for bringing that one up because that's that's a wonderful one. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, but we have to move along, Jim. Should we go to the depression time now, shall we? We, we have to. We, we, we'll, we'll run the run the jingle. We move on to less happy happy times. But um, uh, we, we we must we must do it nevertheless because this is the the law of the of the random. So we're going to go back to um, December the twenty sixth because we're doing Boxing Day fixtures. Hopefully we'll get this out for Christmas. And this Boxing Day fixture was a rough old game really i think from the mill perspective 1997 jim this would be would be billy bonds back then wouldn't it that well, billy bonds yes billy bonds bonzo um much maligned mill manager for obvious reasons for his west Ham connections but uh Chol- boxing Chol- 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 those people that are old enough yeah yeah that's right yeah he was there as well wasn't he so bristol city four um mill one on boxing day um the Millwall goal scored by uh, another name. I mean, I was just saying to Jim off there, the, the details that come out of you, forget these names. I'd erase Carl Viet from my memory, um, the Australian striker. He's good. He got the one Millwall goal that day for in the 53rd minute. Um, Viet was one of the more ineffectual strikers, I think. Probably the most diplomatic way I can put it, Jim, I've ever seen. Eight games he played, one goal. <laughs> 
but he'd actually had a career. I, I, I just did a Google search before we came on, you know, started recording this. And Carl Viet, um, he, he played a, he played at Sheffield United, and I think he played about fifty games for for Paris and and then for um, Sheffield. And you just wonder how because it was awful. <laughs> how, how did he carve any five years? He carved out a career in this country. Well, he's, he's, he played 18 times for Australia and scored seven goals. <laughs> I mean, Australian football has come a long way from the days where Carl Viet would expect to be a shoe into the national team. I'll say that for it. Um, but he got the goal this, this day. Um, I'll run through the team, actually. Cause well, it's, well, it's, before we talk about Viet, just before you do that, but mm. I, I got this recollection that Theo signed him. I think he was the player that Theo signed and then just said, oh, here's your new player. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Theo. <laughs> I think it, I suppose it was. Um, he did have. I mean, I'd have to check the figures. And he, he played in England for about four years prior to going back to Australia. I think he went back to uh, Adelaide and, and played there in, in the um, the formative A League. It probably had some. You know, the fact that he played for Palace and Sheffield probably implied that he had something. But he was. He was absolutely awful, but in an awful team. Uh, you know, um, in goal, I think there's the. I don't think anyone can knock Nigel Spink in goal. Um, he was honest, wasn't he? He was honest. He was very much at the end of his career. Um, he's, he'd have played in the Villa team that had won the European Cup, so he did carry some, you know, some cachet. But I'm going to run you through these names in defence now, Jim, and and. and Grip your, grip, grip your arm. Let me just start butt head butting the table. <laughs> Sit down and grip the armchair, the arms, the rest of your chair. Ricky Newman. Oh dear. Um, Brian Law. Jesus Christ, Jim. Brian Law. Oh, the, bus, the bus stealer. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Scott Fitzgerald, who um, is still at the club actually, and he's running the um, the youth setup. Um, he was a bad player, Scott. Um, but this is when this defence, you're um, you're going to be lost and lonely. So Newman, Law, Fitzgerald, and then Kenny Brown. Uh, I'd forgotten Kenny Brown. I mean, you, I think what, the older you get, you start deleting things from your mind because you just can't absorb all this stuff. But it's only when the, you do this that these people leap back into your mind. I think Kenny Brown, in fairness to him, let himself down. He, he certainly didn't just turn up for the play. I think he, another one, he was probably a, a good, honest pro. Honest, yeah. I think honest probably is a better word. It's just, it's just the the kind of Newman was 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 poor. Um, Law was none of none of them were brilliant. I mean, Fitzgerald was the best of the bunch in that in that defence for me. But Brown, um, I'm struggling to actually remember much he ever ever did. But I think honest is probably a good epitaph for him. Let's run across the midfield though, Jim. Um, oh. Dave Savage. I didn't mind Dave Savage. He, he always had the he was all right. He always had the air. He, he, he was an attacking winger, and he would, you know, he wanted to get forward, and you know, he, he, he did his, he did his bit, didn't he? <clears throat> but now I want to give you. I mean, we've just gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. Now we've gone from Cahill and Burcham in midfield with with Reed on the bench, to now we've got Bobby Bowery and Kim 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 Grant. <laughs> 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 oh dear. About well, Barry. was it again Kim Grant or was was it Lucas Neal on the? Uh, well, I don't or... know. I've, I've put Grant, and I didn't know who they play Neil on. I mean, Neil is a very different level of player, and I put him on the wing, but I don't. He might have been centre. I don't know. I don't form that. I, I did it. The, I four, think four, to four. put Lucas Neal in the same sentence as Bobby Barry is probably a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been Lucas. It might have been. Uh, it might have been Kim Grant. Who knows? I mean, Lucas Neal was a fantastic player. 
very, very skillful player. And um, I don't know if he came as, you know, whether we signed Lucas Neal and got stuck with Viet as part of like a, you know, take the good one and have the, have the, have the rough one with him or what. But um, he was a great player. He only lasted 27 minutes in this game. And then Paul Sturgis is... Paul Sturgis came, and there's a name that I completely had forgotten. 17 appearances from Paul Sturgis, uh, free as substitute. No goals, surprisingly. No goals. Yeah, he was a left back, Paul Sturgis. Yeah, so probably sh- shored him up on the on on the on the wing somehow. Um, but um, Barry and Grant in midfield, and up front was the aforesaid um, Colvier. But a player that I did used to like, and and you know gave new meaning to the word honest, was Paul Shaw up front. Yeah, Paul Shaw. yeah. A crowd favourite. Um, bad day. Oh, I still wish have done more. Yeah, um, and was a Millwall player really because he had that kind of um, an aggressive quality to his forward play, which went down a storm with the with the, the chaps in the stadium. But um, and it was it was a it was a standout and a poor team. I and mean, take away Shaw, and Lucas, Neil, and, and and to a degree, I think Scott Fitzgerald. The rest of them were well. It, it was it was third division football, and that was a very much a, a third division oh, side, you know. Um, so, so Bowery, let's just let's just touch on Bobby Bowery. Bobby Bowery, he's find his 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 figures here. Um, Bobby signed, Bowery signed, signed along with Ricky Newman from Palace. Um, yes. <laughs> not a good start. <laughs> so that doesn't help. Um, no, forty. Oh, that's not his career. This, that's, that's the season I'm looking at here. But um, he, he's got. He had quite a, a, a track record. I'm just trying to find Bobby Barry while we, while we fill in time, dear listeners. Here he is. Watch, um, now, I Bobby Barry having an absolute stormer of a game one year. Burnley away on a Tuesday night. Stormer and Barry is rarely a sentence that gets. Yeah, no, it's one of those. There was about fifty of us at Turf Moor on a Tuesday night, and we. I think we won two one, and and he he was. Well, Bobby Barry, you thought he was like, you know, Lionel Messi's brother. Longest <laughs> <laughs> Bobby you know? Barry, but born in Croydon, 1971, signed, as you say rightly, Jim, from Crystal Palace in 1995 for 220,000. I think that was a joint deal with um, with Newman, as you as you say. Was, was that to do with the? Wasn't wasn't that all part of the Chris Armstrong guy at the Palace? Chris Armstrong, wonderful, but though he, he got into um, big time into marijuana and, and, and the kind of Rastafarian lifestyle I, I read somewhere. But um, oh, a great, yeah. great striker, great striker. Um, for, he went to play for Spurs, I think. Chris Armstrong and Bobby Barry released on a free transfer in two thousand and one. Um, One hundred forty-four appearances for the Lions, Jim. Um, it was it was a mainstay. It was a mainstay of our uh, midfield in uh, from ninety-five to ninety-six through to. Uh, 98, 99, and then his, his his career dived from there. I mean, we didn't get close to the the, the uh, 99, 2000, which was um, a playoff uh, side who went out in the playoffs that season, and then obviously the championship winning team. He didn't feature at all. Possibly the two, the, the success was linked with his non-presence in midfield. Actually, when you look at those numbers, <laughs> <laughs> when, when he was playing, we were going nowhere. And when he stopped playing, basically started to achieve success. So um, let that be a lesson. He's, 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 I always remember he used to be pointing at other people all the time in the field, didn't he? He's <laughs> running around in circles, pointing. <laughs> that, that was pretty much it. A good finger. <laughs> and I'm gonna, as, as, as we're on the subject, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna, because I, 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 I edit this listener, so you won't hear the delay whilst I try and find Ricky Newman's figures whilst um, I keep Jim talking about crap mill players from the from the late 1990s period. Well, well, um, well, 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 while you're looking at it, there was there was um, a, a quote from Billy Bonds um, 
in the, I think it's the next home program. Yeah. Um, uh, which uh, was against uh, it might have been um, oh, just look, it might have been Bluton at home, and it, and and the quote said, "I don't think I'm going to be the most popular m- manager that's ever been at Millwall." <laughs> <laughs> well, he got that right, didn't he? I didn't mind him. Uh, I think he was he was he was managing a very difficult period, and the club had not long come out of administration. I think um, that's when Theo came in, didn't, didn't he? Sure, and, yeah. You know, I think he uh, and famously Bonds signed Neil Harris, the, the the club legend, and and you know, just looking, um, I found Ricky Newman. Let's let's just touch on Ricky Newman before we go back to the Mill performance that season. Um, so Ricky Newman again, 167 appearances for Mill, uh, five goals. He was a midfielder, stroke right back, born in Guildford, and he came in with. Um, at the same time as, as Bowery, nominal 500,000. I think that must have a split deal there. I, I don't know if that figure's correct there. But again, he was a, a mainstay of the side, 95, 96 through to uh, 99, 2000. And again, strangely, as his career started to dive, um, the club's fortunes started to um, rise, Jim. Is it very much linked with, with Bowery? The two come hand in hand in many respects, don't they? And then I've just seen who the, one of the other substitutes was. Who is that? Who have you got in mind? Paul Allen. Paul Allen. <laughs> I'd missed that. I'd missed Paul Allen. I'm just on Ooh, the ace. So, so the substitutes were Paul Sturgis, as you've mentioned, Paul yeah. Allen, and Paul. Danny Hockton. Danny Hockton. Oh, mate. These, these players, younger listeners won't know who we're talking about, but these, these, this, this was a real tough time to be a Millwall well, well, Paul Allen was, was the youngest ever player to appear in an FA Cup final. Um, before Western Curtis Western Curtis Western. We've, we've just deleted listeners a long pause while Jim and I were desperately searching <laughs> Google and anywhere else. Um, Curtis Western, we've forgotten his name, but he was the yeah, Alan Paul Allen was the youngest player prior to Millwall's uh, Curtis Western, who came into the, the 3 0 cup final loss um, in the 89th minute. Um, and I think Wise took himself out, didn't he? Um, yeah. As, to make him the youngest ever cup final. But one, one other point I just wanted to make, just going back to Billy Bonds. I mean, this is the 97-98 season that we're talking about. Um, a very tough time to be a Millwall fan. I mean, I, I know people nowadays, Jim, talk about, you know, moments and, you know, in, in this the last couple of seasons where football hasn't been so great and we've struggled a little bit. But you've got to go back to these days, really. we just come out of administration. We had Billy Bonds in charge doing a, the best job he could probably do, in fairness to him. Um, we're in the uh, Division 2, which is the third tier, and we finished 18th that season. In the, um, but what the thing that struck me, and the reason I mentioned 18th, is that we actually weren't doing too badly that season. We're positioned coming into... Um, not quite Christmas, but certainly the week before this, the fixture we just mentioned, the 4-1 loss, we beat um, Wickham at home 1-0. We've placed fourth in the table at that point. Um, and we've been third and fourth through the, the early part of the season. But then the, the wheels came off because the, the Bristol game that we've mentioned today, 4-1 loss on Boxing Bay, that led on to a series of one, two, three, four, four straight losses. And... We finished up uh, when Brentford beat us in, in January 2-1. We were now down to 12th, looking downwards. Um, mm. And it was, it, I don't, I think it, was, it wasn't quite a relegation, but we had that kind of plunging feel, didn't we? Um, where just, just looking at the final table, so Division 2, so there's 
would have been four goes down, wouldn't it have been? Four team? down, yeah, yeah. Brent, so went South down. End went down, Carlo went down, Plymouth went down, Brentford went down with 50 points. 50. So we had 50 points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 but we were on a plunge. I mean, we, we had a five point cushion in the end, but it didn't feel quite as comfortable as that. It's only with hindsight that you look back and you, you know, you, you can kind of laugh about it, but it was pretty grim times. And <clears throat> that was the end of Billy Bonds, I think. Um, and that, Keith Stevens and, and um, Alan McCleary came in after that. Um, tough times, tough times. I'm just looking through some of the players that played that season, Jim, and I, I've forgotten. Well, Cahill made his debut that season. Stephen Reid made his he debut did. that season. So, yeah. No, he, he had, a, he, you know, Bonds had the, the he had the... Bertram, the, Bertram yeah. who sadly I played that season, I was not just saying his name in there, so is it fair to say, Jim, that Billy Bonds laid the groundwork for the success that... Well, he certainly had, as I was just thinking, he had a very good youth team back then, so, you know, and it just needed someone who could just nurture them, and Rhino and Macca up afterwards, didn't they, and... I think the financial circumstances being what they were, then he had little choice but to bring some of these kids in, and they were kids at the time. You know, they, mm. we, we talk about Tim Cahill now. This was not Tim Cahill the man. This was Tim Cahill the boy that's literally just come over from from Australia, made one appearance that season. Um, but you know, I, I think there's an argument that, that um, you know Billy Bonds did a bit of um, bit of gardening, and then um, McCleary and, and Stevens took us on to another level, but it did take Mark McGee and his experience to come and actually finish the job. So it was a, it was a process, wasn't it, from the days of Billy Bonds and finishing it, 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 Also, in fairness, if you ever look at some of the other players that weren't involved in this game that we had playing for us that year, and I've just seen one name, Paul Wilkinson. Oh, well, I've just seen his name. <laughs> did you have to? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at Lee McRobert. Lee McRobert. <laughs> <laughs> Names from the past, you forget these people. But, oh, God, Paul Wilkinson. He came from Middlesbrough, didn't he? Was he, was he the Middlesbrough player previously? Um, yeah, he was, a, he, was, he was a professional northerner. Professional northerner, as, as the saying goes. <laughs> and, of course, um, yeah, and Neil Harris played twice this in this season. Um, no goals for him. He, again, he would have been a youngster not long from uh, Nod League. He came from Cambridge City, didn't he, famously? Um, and that was the start of the the Neil Harris legend. Um, Mark Crossley as well. Uh, Mark Crossley played goal as well, yeah. Yes, Nigel Spink. There's three goalkeepers that season. Tim Carter. You can always fact, tell when the team's not doing well when they've had to play three goalkeepers in a season. Yeah, multiple goalkeepers is a sign of a team that's going to struggle. Uh, you're right. Um, Crossley, I think, was um, was he on loan from Forest? Loan from Forest, I imagine, yeah. And then Nigel Spink, obviously very much in the, the late stages of his career. Um he always looked a bit overweight, something in goal, but he was a good goalkeeper um, and, and did a job. So there we are. That's uh, Millwall, uh, Bristol City 4, Millwall 1 in what was then called Division 2. Did you um, go? No, no, I wouldn't have gone to Bristol on a box. Did you go that, that, for that one, Jim? I'm pretty, I may have done, but I don't remember the game. I may have, I may have had prob- two. You're probably to... drunk. Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> Boxing Day away games. We have Cardiff one year on Boxing Day. I think they used to line up tasty fixtures on Boxing Day in order to, um, in the hope that most people will be back at home under the influence <laughs> and unable yeah, thinking... to travel. So Cardiff on a Boxing Day, Bristol on a Boxing Day, that would be, you know, that would make some security sense, I think. But no, I, I wouldn't have made it down to that one, mate. Um, Just looking through the history book there, we've had Norwich on Boxing Day away, Peterborough away on Boxing Day. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it comes into two categories generally. It's either the local derby, the classic local derby, or it's, it's Leicester it's, away. We've had Leicester away on Boxing Day. Well, same again. I mean, Leicester back in the day was was a tasty fixture, wasn't it? So you wouldn't, you if you didn't want many to travel, you'd probably stick it on a day like Boxing Day where most would be still recovering from the day before, you know, and might might have to pass on it. There we are. That's 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 a that's another time, another place. Um, Ninety seven Boxing Day. 26th of December, Millwall lose 4-1 at Bristol City uh, and uh, Colvie at uh, goal scorer that day. The long, long, the not, little lamented Colvie at Randy O'Miser. And finally, I thought we'd, 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 the, the number generated generate the wartime fixture. Um, 1942. Um, and it, it, First interesting thing, um, we played Crystal Palace twice in two days. I don't know if you picked that up on your yeah, research. We played. Uh, I've got the um, the complete record here by by um, Richard Lindsay, which is a fantastic, fantastic book. So this is one for younger, younger, younger listeners. We played Crystal Palace on Christmas Day um, in 1942. So in the midst of war, um, with um, I think that must be Benny Fenton scoring on Christmas Day. We beat him two one that day. Benny Yep, that George, George Fisher, I think there must be. I'm just looking at the name Fisher penalty. Yep, um, George Fisher as well, yeah. In front of a crowd of, of, of 5,000. And then obviously we played them the next day, played them Boxing Day, straight to the way afterwards. Um, 26th of December, we played away. So we, they had to do this um, back then. They had like the home game one week normally, and then the next week the, the, the away fixture. But this day, they did it the next day. So we played at home to Palace on, on Christmas Day and gone to... Selhurst Park on Boxing Day to draw two wins. Well, Christmas Day football was quite regular until I think the mid fifties when they uh, they they stopped it. Yeah, it must have been. I suppose when people started travelling. I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't travel very far on Christmas Day unless you're driving. I suppose people, you know, it just became something that faded away. But you're right. Christmas Day football was a was a thing. You know, it wasn't unknown, was it? It sounds very strange now. Yeah, I'm sure if Amazon had their way, there'll be a Christmas Day Premier League soon. I think you're right. I'm sure they would do. Um, so Fenton, Benny Fenton, I'm, I'm guessing we drew two all in this fixture on the 26th of December 1942. Um, 6,390 was at uh, Palace. The thing to keep in mind, Jim, I think that the crowds in wartime football was they were always low because the, the country had other stuff on its mind at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they, they had these um, wartime leagues. Um, this was the, the Football League South. Um, but the way football was organised was um, because obviously most players were in the forces and they were deployed as and where were required by the military. So you used to get guest players. Um, mm. You'd have these, these were, I think it was actually technically amateur football at this point. So I don't know that the, the club were, um, I think everyone was in the forces. So I don't think they're being paid for this. So it's really just. Um, a chance to play a game of football and for... you were invited to come and have a game of association football yeah um because I, i've actually found a newspaper report so this is from the norwood observer this is dated january the 1st 1943 so palace are out of luck according to um the norwood observer handicapped by injuries in this game in both their games with mill at christmas time Injuries prevented Crystal Palace FC from giving a fair account of themselves. Um, so they had injuries that uh, one of their players carried off. And of course, no substitutes listeners back then either. Mm-hmm. You'd have had you know, the 11-man starting 11 
and um, you know if you if you lost one, you you, you lost one. So the, the Millwall team on Christmas Day, Wright Kennedy. I don't know these names. There's no, I don't know. Westwood. You see, these could be guest players. E. Smith, uh, Davis, Tom Brolly. I've seen Tom Brolly's name in, in my reading. Uh, Forsyth, I've seen. I, I, I think they're the two brothers, Fisher brothers. Uh, Benny Fenton, uh, Heathcote, Weir and L. Baines. But um, the, the Palace team had a chap called Poland, who's listed um, as a, li- a Liverpool player. Uh, a guy called Lowe from Sheffield United playing for them. And a guy called Porritt in the Christmas Day fixture from York City. So you had this thing of, of players, and I think Millwall had um, similar guest players. They're not, they're not listed in this um, in this uh, team lineup here. But you, you had this kind of idea that if you were serving locally, you, you would kind of present yourself, I guess, for a game of football on pretty much as you fancied it, I suppose, or, you know, if, if you're available. I've seen... Um, Reports of some of the Arsenal players when they were serving, like they'd be turning out for you know York City, or Arsenal being the biggest team at the time, and you have like you know an opportunity to have a star player kind of suddenly turning up for I don't know who Exeter City or someone of that kind, you know. Um, I mean, it was probably a good release from the uh, from the other stuff that was going on at the time, really. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just just to give us a bit of context because we we you know nowadays we talk about wartime football um, as though it was like football like you might see now, but you're right, you're spot on that this was a release from pretty grim times. I've just done a little look at the the state of the Second World War at that point. So going into Christmas of 1942, you've got actively going on the Battle of Stalingrad, um, which was a turning point potentially in the the Second World War overall. Um, So you've got the the Soviet Union, uh, I think, just started to turn the tide at this point against the um, the, the, the German Sixth Army, which was trapped by this stage in Stalingrad. So um, this, this was going into Christmas at 1942. And then in North Africa, um, the Battle of El Alamein had not long taken place, which was a major victory for the, the British. And um, as it was then, the Imperial forces were throwing the Germans back. Um, Christmas Day, the British Eighth Army just occupied Sirte, which is um, Tunisia, Libya. So I think the, 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 we were pushing the Germans back across North Africa at this point. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, you know, we now know how it worked out. It worked out in our favour in the end, but no one knew that at the time. So, you know, as much as the game of the Mill versus Palace local derby, you want to win it, it's, it strikes me, Jim, that there's, there's other stuff going on that would over occupy your mind a little bit more you know there's more going on at that time wasn't there? so um rommel was halted there this was on the on the actual boxing day they general rommel the german general had been halted at a place called burat in, in north africa where mussolini of all people ordered him to make a stand I, I think i'd be inclined to tell mussolini to come over and make a stand with me if he's so keen <laughs> on um, on that um one thing, the, the, the Millwall manager in these fixtures, there. so the, the, the Christmas Day was 2-1 to Millwall, and then there's a draw on, on Boxing Day in 1942 um, to, uh, you know, at, at Selhurst Park, which is a fixture that the, we, we'd chosen. One thing I just wanted to run over, if, if I may, Jim, is the Millwall manager that day was a chap called Bill W. Voisey. It's spelled V-O-I-S-E-Y. And in my complete record, there's a really nice little... Um, biography of the Mill manager that day, Bill Voisey, which if if you'll indulge me, I'd just like to read that. It's only a couple of paragraphs long, but I just think it, it really does put um, 
football and, and, and many other things into into a bit of perspective. So uh, W Voice, he's William, I guess, but, but known as Bill Voicey, was uh, another local product. So he played for um, various clubs on the Isle of Dogs. Um, his, his talent was recognised by Mill, signed him in 1908. This is as a player. Um, Bill Voicey played for the Mill Reserves. This would be Mill Athletic, I guess, on the Isle of Dogs at this point, a couple of seasons. Played as a left back, a right half or inside forward. These are old school positions, younger listeners, right half or inside forward. Um, Bill was a, a tenacious ball winner. He had a fierce shot and became nicknamed Banger. Uh, Banger Voicey, great name. Um, he served in World War One. This is where it gets a bit more, you know, puts a bit of perspective, I think, Jim. Um, but he served in World War One, enlisted in the Royal Field Artillery, and Bill Voicey saw action in France and Belgium. He was soon promoted to sergeant for his bravery under enemy fire, where he was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal, the Military Medal, and the, the Belgian um, Croix de Guerre, Croix de Guerre. He played some games in the wartime competitions. Again, they had uh, temporary competitions during the First World War. Um, and he resumed um, his football career after the war ended, playing for England in a victory international against Wales at Cardiff in October 1919. Um, he was a co- then reappointed captain of the Lions. He played for Millwall, um, scored Millwall's first goal in the Football League with a shot from 20 yards in 1920. The goalkeeper couldn't hold it. Um, in the summer of 1920, he went on an FA tour of South Africa and played in three test matches, as they called them. These have been football test matches. Um, um, he, he then went on to um, Bournemouth, Leytonstone, uh, and returned back to uh, rejoin Mill in 1939 as a trainer and as chief scout, and discovered players such as Charlie Hurley and Roy Summersby. Um, so Bill Voisey managed um, during the wartime. Um, Southern League debut, playing in the Southern League in 1911. Football League debut in 1920. We scored one. There's a nice picture of him. I'll stick that on on the uh, Twitter when we do this show because I just think it's a really nice story. And and when you read that, you would have thought that the club could on us people like that. You I would think so. Yeah. How it's I, I, the first ever Football League goal, and he just played for England, and you know he was a hero in the war. Surely there there, there must be the opportunity to have. The Bill Voicey ticket office, you know, or something, something. like that. Yeah, something. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, and I, you know, one of the one of the great things with doing these little bits and on these shows, Jim, I think, is that you know, is but but for us suggesting to do this, I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have read this. It's in the book, but you know, you don't don't, no, don't yeah. find these little details. But Bill Voicey, um, distinguished service medal, military medal. And quite a gear. You don't get that for nothing. And you know, and as you say, you know, scored the uh, scored in the Southern League, scored our first ever football league um, after the, the end of the First World War. Nice picture of him, uh, a hero, a national hero, and a Millwall hero. And I think you're right. I think his name deserves to be better known because you know that's 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 a track record. And and then played for England and, and toured for the national team. Uh, Bill Voice, he, he was born in 1891 in Millwall on the Isle of Dogs, and he died in Worcester in October 1964. So he would have been aged, what's that, um, 70, 73 when he died. Um, what, what a life. What a life. Yeah, um, absolutely. It'd be nice for him to be, be honoured, I think. I think uh, we'll start a petition up. I think we should. I think we should. We'll, we'll get on that. I'll stick his picture on when we when we put this out. I'll, I'll post the photo and um, I might even stick that little um, 
newspaper report. I'll edit that down a bit because it's a bit lost in amongst the text. Um, so there we are, Millwall 2, or Crystal Palace 2, Millwall 2 in the Football League South, uh, 26th of December 1942, a time of turmoil when football was the least of anyone's worries, but a nice diversion. I've got a couple of bits and pieces about the two goal scorers as well, where uh, Benny Fenton obviously went on to manage Millwall in the, in the 70s, famously, in the 70s. You know, very, like, very successfully. I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if if things had worked out differently, Jim, Benny Fenton would have been our, 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 you know, John Doherty was the man in the end that took us up. Mm. But Benny Fenton came was a, you know, a, 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 a much respected player for the Lions and, and nearly took us into the first division. History would have been very different if, um, but for one or two marginal moments, you know. Also played long bowls for the Essex County. There we are. There we are. There we are. Um, and, uh, George Fisher. Yeah, you know, George Fisher was the last surviving member of the 1945 Cup final against Chelsea. Was he? I didn't know that. Played August 2015. So uh, five years ago. Very, di- years. very, dis- very distinctive looking bloke. The pictures I've seen of him when he was younger. He had a mop of jet black hair. There's, there's also a piece on image book as well, Nick. If you, I don't know if you've seen that. I'll have a read. George Fisher, born in Bermondsey as well. So, local lad. Local lad. Always, all the best people come from Bermondsey, Jim. <laughs> 243 was the year that the Den got bombed. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a great photo. I mean, that, that's in the, um, I think it's in the Lions of the South book, but I have seen the mm. the photo. I don't know if uh, you've seen it, Jim, the, where the, you know, the, the one corner of the uh, Colbert had been hit by a major league bomb, and this would be a bomb and a half and to, to cause that kind of crater there. Um, and I think, this, did I read the stand burned down? But that was a, as a result of a fag. Someone was throwing a fag away and oh, set fire a lot of... <laughs> you know, Hitler couldn't do it, but someone, someone chucked a fag under the, under the wooden stand and that burned down. So that was a disastrous wartime. Uh, I think the, the ground had survived relatively unscathed until that point. Um, but it certainly took a hammering. There's a great photo in the... In the, in the um, they're in the director's box at uh, in the in the in the director's room at the den now. So, uh, like a long kind of panoramic, you know, um, vi- vista of the den with people. I think there's a game going on. No health and yeah. safety back then. That, that people kind of stood on the on the rubble, you know, <laughs> watching the football match. Yeah, that picture you talk about was taken on the 18th of March uh, against Aldershot, and the uh, it was the halfway line, uh, basically where Jews Hill was. That corner was bombed. Yeah. Yeah, major, major, <laughs> major impact, and then they, they played a game of football. So yeah, different, different, um, different generation. I think that's probably the best way we can put it there, Jim. Randy O'Miser. Oh, so three, three great fixtures there: Millwall three, Palace nil, uh, two thousand one; Bristol four, Millwall one, uh, nineteen ninety seven, and then uh, Palace two, Millwall two in nineteen forty two. Fantastic stuff, Jim. Um, really, really enjoyed that, mate. Let's, let's, let's do this again yeah. soon. About, it's about a year since we did this, and um, I was saying to Jimmy earlier on, um, you, other things get in the way, but I think we're going to try and make sure that other things don't get in the way quite so much going yeah, it's forward. It's good to so have that, a variety of, uh, of topics on, on the show, I think. So uh, if you do it too often, it gets stale. So once every so often, a bit like your walks yeah. that you did earlier, they were all good to... Uh, um, I've enjoyed doing this, Jim, and I really appreciate your time. I know it's night time out now. This is a, a 11 o'clock in the morning here at the moment, I should think, but it um, must be later in Aussie. Um, yeah, it's 20, 20 to 7 at the moment for me. The sun's just going down. What's the weather like? 
Um, we, as as we speak, we've just had our fourth consecutive day of forty degrees. Golden Bennett, Golden Bennett. No bushfires <laughs> where you are, mate. I take it. Oh, there's, there's 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 a few around, but no, nowhere near as the ones over east. And I know a couple of mill sports over there that are probably be uh, watching those uh, quite carefully. But there's also one north of Perth where I live, where I certainly know a couple of mill sports up there. So if they are listening, I hope that all's well. Yeah. Uh, up in that part of Perth, and uh, we're we're, we're going to try and get together all the mill supporters in this part of the world. Uh, probably to watch a Perth Glory game and give James Meredith a load of grief one day. But. Please do, please do. Well, thanks, thanks to everyone in Aussie, all the Mill fans and everyone else were affected by these fires. They look horrendous from what I've seen. Um, stay safe. I think that's probably about as much as I can say. Uh, you know, have a wonderful Christmas and to all the listeners, have a nice Christmas and uh, as I say, keep downloading because without shows like this, then a lot of us expats will know what to be listening to. So thanks for your your uh, your help and time and efforts, Nick. Fantastic. appreciate that, Jim. Thanks a lot, mate. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.